Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, the concept of buy now, pay later, it's grown rapidly in recent years, hasn't it? When was the last time you bought something and decided to use that facility on a website? All of this driven by changes in consumer preferences, of course, coupled with a COVID-boosted shift in shopping patterns towards remote commerce as well. In fact, consumer spending using BNPL or buy now, pay later platforms will hit 437 billion dollars globally in 2027 rising from just over 100 billion this year the sizable growth of 290 percent or so will be driven by escalating financial pressures from the rising cost of living increasing the demand for cheap credit solutions that's according to a new study from juniper research Now, while marketed to make payments more convenient, BNPL has also rightfully attracted criticism for targeting vulnerable consumers who overspend and then fall into debt. This was also raised in Parliament here on how the government can protect young or impulsive buyers from taking on too much debt. And to address this, a BNPL working group was formed recently under the guidance of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, including the Singapore Fintech Association and industry players, such as Grab Financial Group, Atomi and Shopback. Iva Bjorklund is Chief Commercial Officer at Collectius. He joins us on the line now to talk more about what consumers need to know about the BNPL Code of Conduct here and what more needs to be done to protect consumers. Hi, Iva. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Bharti. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Now, Iva, here's the thing. You are a digitally enabled debt collection platform. What has your experience been like when it comes to debt fueled by BNPL schemes? As you said correctly, that the recent consumer survey show that uh, two out of five Singaporeans residents have used buy now pay later solutions as of now. So it, it's fastly growing. Uh, in our industry, we can see that there is a lot of people who previously haven't had uh, access to debt that is able to get access to debt. So the, it, it's great for the financial in- inclusion. However, of, of course, that they need to be uh, under guardians and control because uh, there is a lot of customers that believe that they have an increased purchasing power. So I think that the, the initial initiative of the code of contact is really good for the industry. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's okay to buy now and pay later as long as you're sure you can pay later, right? Exactly. So that, that is the main point, right? That is where the market players really need to take the responsibility on financial literacy to educate their customers that even though you, you can pay now, you, you have to, or you can buy now, you, you really need to pay later. And I, I think that is also where this code of contact, even though there is, this is the first stage, I, I will believe that they will be uh, continuously improved or on this code of contact. Now, Iva, the new guidelines include a cap of $2,000 on outstanding payments that customers can have with each BNPL provider. Uh, Unless additional credit worthiness assessments are done, they also include other measures such as, you know, the BNPL player has to suspend a customer's access to its services once a payment is overdue and so on. But some have said that, well, the new code is good, but it's not legally binding and it acts more as self-regulation by the industry. In other countries, they are calling for legislation on this. What do you think? Do we need proper legislation on this rather than just a code? I think the code is the first step. So I think that this industry is in their infant state. It's in an early stage. So there is still a lot to learn and the code will gradually be improved. 
because you can also, let's say if you take a loan of 2000, you can go to another mm. lender and take additional loan of 2000. So you can, there is still loopholes in this. Yeah, uh, certainly. What other loopholes have you observed? I think that you can take multiple credits, for example. And then, of course, you have another one of the codes is the transparencies of fees and, and clear disclosures, where the, you cannot have compounded interest, for example. But, but there, I think there should also be discussion on caps on late fees, for example, which can be quite large, uh, a big percentage of the loan if you're not on top of your payments. Iva, the fact that online transactions are borderless, consumers could actually be exposed to BNPL players that are not covered by this code of conduct, right? I'm not. Yeah, I believe so, but I'm not sure about that, actually. Mm. So what should a responsible consumer look out for as they are using these services online? It really needs to, to study the, the fine text, right, to understand, okay, what are the fees included. So even though it's interest fee, if you miss your payment with a few days, that late fee can be actually be a big percentage of your, of your original loan. So to, really to study and to understand uh, what type of loan that you are taking. Otherwise, I, I mean, it, it's still a great solution because it gives a lot of people that haven't had access to credit before uh, a lot of to, to be able to take loans. Hmm. Under the code, of course, the players will have to also have an accredited trust mark in order to operate. And then they'll have to wait for three years before having to be re-accredited. This is something that consumers should look out for as well, right? To consider whether or not the BNPL service they're using uh, comes from a reliable player. Definitely. And, and I mean, I would say that when an industry is in an early stage, there is more market players. And, and after a few years, uh, there will be fewer. And so there will be the good ones that, that grow and survive and the ones that have not been as successful will either disappear or be taken over by the, by the good ones. But personally, I'm very much for the rules and regulations because that kind of creates a framework. It's the same that, you know, when we didn't have so many cars, we didn't need to have traffic rules. But now when there are more cars, we need to have the rules. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's a great analogy, Iva. Uh, here's the thing. Some watchdogs have called for proof of income to be part of this framework as well. And then there are others who say that, well, if you're going to need all of these requirements, then it's as good as being like a bank, right? Like how a bank would operate when actually the function of BNPL players is to essentially help the underbanked. What do you think? I think that's a very good question. You know, I, I think over time this will become, you know, the, the binapolated companies will become more more like banks. So there will be an extended offering in the financial services. I think there is different ways of finding data on, on the customers to improve the scoring. That can also be that the merchants, the communication between the merchant and the lender on previous behavior could also be equally as strong. Now, we also understand that all of this comes on the back of a new debt collection bill last month to regulate the debt collection industry and to curb unethical debt collection practices. And this would be a topic even closer to your heart, right, Iva, considering the business that you guys are in. So tell us more about how this affects the landscape. Yeah, so so this debt collection bill was passed to better manage the debt collection activities in Singapore. 
And again, it, it's uh, with intent to protect the consumers from unethical debt collecting tactics. And uh, and this is something also we look very very positive on because it basically takes out uh, on professional companies, and it's very good for the ones who who wants to run run uh, the business in the best way. Mm, so you guys so, do this online. You do this digitally. How exactly do you ensure that all your practices are ethical, so to speak? So we have, for example, in our system, we have uh, we do Q and A's, and now we're actually taking in voice robots that records all the calls that we are doing, so we can then review the calls. Uh, and we can see the quality of the customer experience. Ultimately, Iva, it is about financial literacy, isn't it? Understanding the value of money, people also being accountable for themselves and learning how to live within their means. What more do you think can be done in terms of financial literacy here? I think that, you know, there could be, there is a lot lot to be done. Uh, so I, I think, for example, for, for us in the, in the debt collection industry, our responsibility is to let our customers in our process become more financial literacy, th- uh, literate throughout the process. And I think that it's the same for the, the lenders and the buy now later companies that educate them throughout the process and, and be very open and transparent in the initial stage when you take the loan. Uh, because that is something that we will all really benefit from. And it's the only way the industry can grow and, and become successful. Now, considering that there are no real global standards when it comes to the BNPL sector, I mean, each country is looking at this separately. To what extent do you think we should be working towards some global standards and regulations and codes, considering how borderless all of this has become? It depends how fast the industry is growing. And now it's, of course, growing very fast. So then I think that it naturally will come in place. So so this code of contact, I believe, is just the first one. And then there will come another update on that and it will be a regular update it's same same as as in our other regulatory framework it will come with the with the growth and maturity of the industry we have to also guard against over regulation don't we what are the various factors either do you think governments and players have to take into account as people work out legislation and codes of conduct on this that's a very good question I would say that you know the uh, normally I would say in in rules and regulation the the problem could be that it's a lot, very long lead times. So for example, if the you know the the government or the or the rule setters, the institution, if they have you know if they have short lead times and working effectively, I, I see that it it will kind of naturally monitor itself. So moving forward, what else do you foresee in the debt and repayments sector in Singapore and the region in terms of trends that players ought to be looking out for and issues that governments and regulators need to consider? I think that, you know, when it, when it comes to the debt trends now, right, so so just when we came out of COVID, we were very positive that the economy is going to come back to pre-COVID numbers. However, we can see that, you know, there, there is a war in, in Europe and, and there have been increased uh, interest rates. So... Uh, the economy has definitely not developed in the in the in the same way as we uh, as as we expected in the beginning of the year, and there was an increased spending coming up post COVID because people wanted to relive the experiences that they missed throughout COVID. So I think definitely to as customers to be cautious on on the economy and and our spending for the near future. Thanks very much for your time today, Iva. Iva Bjorklund is Chief Commercial Officer at Collectius. Thanks for joining us on Prime Time. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.